For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. the New York State AFL-CIO, representing 3,000 unions and 2.5 million members, retirees, and their families, lays out the labor movement's legislative and budget priorities. This year, consider the backdrop. We were one year into a health and economic crisis like we have never experienced, and there was the potential for a $15 billion budget deficit. Fortunately, the president's American Rescue Plan, which labor supported, was enacted. It provided $350 billion in aid to state and local governments. The New York state budget was passed earlier this month, and it totals $212 billion. And it includes historic victories for organized labor and for all working people. Joining me to break down some of those victories is the president of the New York state AFL-CIO, Mario Salento. Mario, thank you for joining me on the program. Thanks for having me, Darcy. So, Mario, I know you've been with the New York State AFL-CIO for 29 years, and you've been... Yeah, thanks uh, for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> long time, but that's good. And leading the organization as its president for the past nine years. And I did hear you recently refer to this budget as the most successful you've ever seen for organized labor. And that's really saying something. Um, so can you talk about why this is such a successful um, budget? Like what comes right to the top of your mind as far as victories for labor? Well, I'll tell you, I think it was um, really the most successful budget season we've had in the time that I've been here because we not only addressed short-term concerns, but we, we addressed long-term concerns uh, for working men and women of this state. I think that's what made it uh, such a success. Uh, I think to start with, if I could, mm-hmm. you know, raising revenue. We've been talking about this for quite a while in New York. <clears throat> and what we've been saying from the very beginning, uh, from years ago, is that we needed to have a structural realignment of our tax system. Just sort of like I said this before, when you're building a house, if the foundation is sound, then the structure of that house is going to be secure for years to come. And if we had a strong, sensible tax infrastructure, then our economic infrastructure in the state would be secure for the long term. Uh, and, and, you know, that was really addressed here because we, we cannot forget, you know, it's, it's easy to forget with everything that's gone on this past year with the pandemic and, and all, all of the different health concerns and, and the economic concerns. Even when the economy was strong last year before the pandemic hit, and remember, the stock market was rising to record levels. Even with all of that, we still had to deal with proposed cuts to Medicaid and other public services. We also, you know, keep in mind over the last 10 years, we've lost somewhere between 10 and 14,000 state jobs in this state over the past decade. So all that was happening even when the economy was good, even when the stock market was soaring. And then you had people say, well, you know, we're getting federal funding, so that's going to help. And, and the, the reality was, yes, it, it was going to help, and it did help, and it will help for this year and part of next. But the question we had asked was, well, what happens when that money runs out? Mm-hmm. We st- we're still going to have a structural problem within our tax system. And so then for long-term purposes, we needed to address that to have a fair, a more fair and progressive tax system. That's what you know, the main priority was the labor movement, this entire budget cycle was not only making sure that we were able to protect the vital public services that we all rely on, it was about 
how do we make sure that we don't have that axe hanging over our head going into the future, right? And, and that's why we, we said, look, we want the wealthiest among us to pay a bit more of their fair share so that not only are we able to withstand any, you know, any downturns or, you know, God forbid, any other unexpected catastrophes, but just even more important that, that, we, that we have those services every single day. We have the peace of mind that those services exist and we have just a better tangible quality of life for all the services that that are provided, you know, within this budget, right? Because no matter, you know, the thing, Darcy, we talk about the haves and the have-nots. There's there are a couple of things that we all rely on, no matter what your economic status is, right? And that's what we try to 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 um, address in this budget with with the revenue piece. We all need to educate our children, no matter what the economic climate is, right? We we all need to you know to have health care for us uh, available to us every single day. We need to provide child care at adequate levels. We need to provide transportation to take us to all the, the jobs and the doctor's appointments and to see our families, take our children to school. We, we all need the infrastructure to be sound, right? The roads, the bridges and tunnels that we use every day. We all want to have, you know, uh, clean streets, right? We don't want to live in filth. We, you know, we, we have to feel safe. We need law enforcement. We need firefighters. We need EMS services that are there for us at a moment's notice. That was the importance of what was established in this budget by raising revenue, I guess, to about around $4 billion. Again, once the money runs out from Washington in the next year and a half to two years, we will at least now have been able to set ourselves up so that we can have a standard of living and quality of life in this state that we can all be proud of, a quality of life that we all deserve to have in the state of New York. That's why it was so important to get that done. And, and so we will have at this point in time, we'll have the money for education that we need. We'll have the money to keep our hospitals uh, uh, appropriately staffed. We'll have the money to start beginning infrastructure projects. Uh, we'll have the money to do all of the things that we need to do uh, to make this, uh, to, to maintain our place, uh, you know, in, in this country as, as a leader in the state of New York. So when we talk about those revenue raisers, um, Mario, it also includes several job creating initiatives, um, including that legislation of adult use cannabis. I mean, it, it happened right before the budget. But can you talk about what right. that will mean for the economy and for jobs and um, for unionization here in New York State? Oh, yeah. Look, that was done. I want to first I want to congratulate Stuart Applebaum and John Durso of the RWDSU for leading that effort. Uh, they've been involved in this for a long time. They were involved uh, in the medical marijuana piece a, a couple of years ago. So both uh, Stuart and John deserve a, a, a huge amount of credit on this. But the reason, as you bring up, that this is so important and that it was done actually, as you said, a couple of days before the budget was this is projected to bring in this new industry at least $300 million in revenue. And I'm certain that it's going to grow each and every year after that. But $300 million in revenue, we're talking about the possibility of 30,000 jobs in the long term. So you are creating a new industry from scratch. An industry that does not exist today will exist next year and for this point, from that point forward, the reason is the reason that why that's so important, Darcy, as you mentioned, is it's not only the revenue, it's not only the jobs, but the, the you know we are really pleased by the fact, and this was a priority, that the legislation includes labor peace as an ongoing condition of of licensing 
the cannabis businesses. So what that means is you're going to have you're going to have union jobs, which are going to be obviously with with, with better pay, uh, better benefits, uh, safe working conditions. So when you create an industry and that's already the floor, you can only go up from there. And, and that was really a, a huge priority uh, for the labor movement, for the RWDSU, for the state AFL-CIO. So that 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 got done. Um, we also on something that you know I don't know if this was even really mentioned anywhere, but you know the state AFL-CIO uh, we've been working on. You know, we have a commitment to racial and social justice in the state. And I think we've talked about the fact that we have a, a social justice task force mm-hmm. as part of the state AFL-CIO's ongoing operations. And as part of our efforts at the state AFL-CIO uh, on, in this legislation is that we took a step forward with, with funding for a cannabis social and equity program. And that's going to help assist communities transition into the new legalized market. And that was also really very important. And again, starting from scratch, you're building something and building it up. So between the, the uh, hundreds of million dollars in revenue that this is going to generate every year, the fact that you have more than 30,000 jobs for the long term that are going to be union jobs, that are going to be fair pay and fair benefits, great conditions of employment, and then having uh, a program that's going to assist communities in the transition uh, is it just a tremendous victory? And and also under um, job creation, Mario, a, another huge victory, the renewable energy labor standards. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned labor peace in the uh, the cannabis industry. This is one of the victories with, with others, too, that are really historic. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah, the renewal, renewable energy piece, I, I have to say, again, historic standards, labor standards. And I'm not prone to hyperbole, but it really is. And and on this, I have to, I really have to congratulate Gary LaBarba and the New York State Building Trades. Uh, Gary did a, a really an extraordinary job here, not only for the building trades interests, but uh, but for labor's interests as a whole. I mean, it, it was extraordinary. And you know, Gary's the new president of the State Building Trades, and to come off with a victory like this, such a, a short time into his term, is really a credit to, to Gary. But let me just say. This, this piece in the budget, it, it includes, I, I think you alluded to it, it includes uh, 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 language on prevailing rate, mm-hmm. labor peace, buy American, and buy New York when the, when the renewable energy uh, credits are awarded on these large-scale projects. So again, you know, uh, renewable energy, this is how we're going to live forever now. Mm-hmm. This is just, right, it's necessary. Climate change, all the things we have to do to, to address it. You're again beginning a new industry. You're starting from scratch, and you're starting it from a pla- from a place where we will have a, a very high floor. And again, you just raise it from there. Uh, the fact that you're able to get all these pieces in one in one bill again, prevailing rate, labor peace, buy American, buy New York, means that again these are going to be good paying union jobs with with uh, benefits, uh, workplace protections. This is how you not only want to address a new industry, but this is how you want to address climate change, right? You get the most skilled, highly trained, highly skilled workforce in there to make sure that we really do all of the things that we say we want to do to save the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary victory for and labor. You touched on this a little bit with um, when we talked about raising revenue um, and ensuring there's enough money there for education. What about the funding for education? There, there were some major victories there as well. Yeah. And again, the teachers did a great job. Andy Pallotta, uh, Mike Mulgrew, 
being able to ensure that our schools are going to be uh, not only uh, open but functioning, uh, being able to ensure that from, from K to 12 and for higher education, uh, community colleges, SUNY and CUNY, that, that the, the, the funding will be there to maintain and even expand what they do every single day. Uh, again, great victory. And then I mentioned at the very top of the show, there was the potential for a multi-billion dollar budget deficit hanging over the state. And that would have potentially meant cuts in Medicaid, cuts to health care. And that was another area that we focused on. And those are now going to we're going to avoid those. Right. Right. And again, again, that's the thing. And it's not only just avoiding them this year. Mm -hmm. There's really no excuse now for people to be talking about for anyone to be talking about cuts to any of these services, whether it's education or health care or child care or go down the list. That's what I mean by a structural realignment of our tax system, making sure that this, this, is, this is recurring funding, right? We've added money, so that's going to be coming into the state so that we, not, so that we can certainly not cut, but, but at the very least maintain these services and hopefully over time increase them. You know, one of the things that we talked about uh, going into this budget cycle was, was child care. And we've seen now, uh, we are, we've always known how important child care is, but I think the pandemic has just shown everyone, uh, you know, who are struggling to go back to work and who, who had to go back to work, even maybe if they didn't want to, how important it was to have child care. And I, this budget directs $2.3 billion in federal resources to expand child care. So there's a real commitment to that. And, you know, in another area, Darcy, was broadband. And I think the pandemic revealed the, the glaring need for increased broadband access for specifically and especially for lower income New Yorkers who, who were unfortunately unfairly isolated throughout this, uh, throughout the pandemic in particular and have been even before that and continue to be. Uh, you know, when schools went to remote learning, you not only had children of, of families with, with less economic means, um, who were already isolated from their classmates, but a lot of times weren't even able to follow through on their lessons because either they had no broadband at all or they had very weak service. And so you had, you know, a situation where these, these poor children who, you know, were on, you know, just under incredibly difficult circumstances, just trying to get a lesson and learn their, their reading and their writing and their arithmetic. Right. And they couldn't even do that. And, and so this budget includes, uh, you know, uh, more affordable broadband services statewide. And, and that's so very, very important. Yes. And we're, we're proud that that got done. And again, for the long term, not just to get us through the pandemic, but to get us once we're past it to a place, uh, again, that, that we can all be proud of. And I think one of the one of the other things that we had talked about from from the very beginning. And look, the pandemic has been hard on everybody. And, and Obviously, it goes without saying, those who have lost loved ones or those who've had loved ones or close friends who have been sickened by, by the virus, um, you know, this, after you get past the, the health concerns are all, are all of the economic uh, concerns that everyone's had throughout. One of the things that we were able to do in this budget was to ensure COBRA funding. Uh, it, the budget includes $2 million in COBRA assistance to ensure that, that workers in the entertainment industry can continue their health insurance mm -hmm. coverage at a time when they need it now, obviously, the most. And we started to see, you start to see TV shows have been back now for a little while. They're starting to do 
movies, but we still don't have Broadway. You know, that there have been a lot of in- industries that have been decimated, you know, the hospitality industry, the retail industry, obviously the entertainment industry. Uh, to be able to do this for the entertainment industry and get that funding to get to, to allow these men and women to at least maintain their health care coverage was also something that I, I don't know if a lot of people talked about. But mm-hmm. again, to all the entertainment unions, uh, they did a, a great job in, in making sure that that got done. So that's what I'm saying by, you know, we talk about historic, you know, and again, you don't want to overly use the word this is great or this is historic and, and all these other things because it starts to lose its meaning. But I, I can say that when you look at what we were facing mm-hmm. in January when the legislative session started uh, to when we got to April 1st, uh, when the budget was due, and obviously it, it passed a few days later, but to get from where we were to where we are now really was extraordinary. And what it really took was uh, the labor movement speaking with one voice, public sector unions, private sector unions, building trades unions, saying, look, we're going to need to raise revenue. That's one. Two, we're going to have the opportunity here for new industries, whether it was cannabis or renewable energy. We have to address these things now so that in the future, we don't have to keep coming back hat in hand, just hoping that we don't you know, lose jobs that we can not only maintain these jobs, but grow them moving forward. So all those things said, Darcy, all, all the things that I've mentioned, yeah, I've been here for 29 years, <laughs> and yes, it's a long time, but the reality is that I'm proud that the labor movement in this state is working really uh, in unison, united and in solidarity on all of these issues, and that's the only way you can get things done for working men and women. And um, and I'm proud of I'm proud uh, of everything that the labor movement accomplished this yeah, past so budget. Cycle. And, yeah, and great accomplishments uh, for the budget. But now there's still a few weeks left in this legislative session. Um, can you go over some of our key legislative priorities that remain? Yeah, I mean, I, I can touch on a couple of them. Look, you've heard me say time and time again that gig workers uh, in this state need to have the same rights and protections as all other workers. And and that continues to be the case. And I think the pandemic has actually shown everyone up close how important it is for these workers to have the same rights and, and protections. You know, gig workers were out there uh, delivering food to people when they didn't want to leave their houses. And at the height of this pandemic, they were taking people to work, essential workers who had to be at work every day. They were taking them to work every single day. Uh, for children who went to school, there were parents who had to send them to school uh, with an Uber rather than putting them on, you know, uh, you know, public transportation. Mm-hmm. Those are the choices people made. They've been out there. It, they, they need to have every single right as everyone else, minimum wage, overtime, workers' comp, unemployment insurance, harassment, harassment protections, and obviously uh, the right to organize. We will not let up, Darcy, until these workers have the same rights as everyone else. Okay, well, Mario, and then, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I know no, there's no, no, more because there's always more. <laughs> well, there's always more, and we don't have to go through. I just no. want to mention that, you know, the here, the New York Hero Act. Yes, right. We, you know, we, we had, uh, you know, we have standards for public sector workers, but there aren't any statutory protocols for private sector workers mm-hmm. and how we respond to uh, infectious diseases, right? Before we had COVID, we had to deal with Ebola and the avian flu and SARS and and what we want to be able to do here is to make sure that we have protections in place uh, for working men and women so that if we ever have to go through this again on anything, that, that they, are, they are rightly and surely protected. 
Mariel Salento, president of the New York State AFL-CIO, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Um, what a critical year to be able to achieve so many of labor's priorities. So it, it really was a good year, and I know we'll have more successes, I'm sure, before the end of the session. Well, thank you, Darcy, and thank you for continuing to do the podcast. I know a lot of people listen to it, and it's pussy good. Well, thank you, Mario. I appreciate it. Joining me on the podcast now is the editor of the podcast and our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. We talked the last time we were doing this. You were just getting over COVID. I know you're in much better shape now. Absolutely. I'm, I was one of the lucky ones. And uh, yep, I'm getting I'm good, though. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And and, and our uh, president of the state federation, Mario Salento, was very kind at the end and talked about um, the importance of th- this podcast and and Kevin, you know, obviously I couldn't do it without you. And I just want everybody to know, um, although they hear me, you're here right along with me with coming up with ideas and and helping to vet guests and uh, edit the the podcast. So I really appreciate all the work um, that you put into this as well. So thank you. Thank you. And one of the things that Mario talked about is the um, ability to speak with one voice and, and how we get things done. And um I know that's why we got a lot of things uh, other than legislatively pushed uh, into this budget, right? We were talking about that earlier. Absolutely. I mean, every every union working in in uh, cohesion to get you know all the amazing stuff passed in this budget, and you know none of that gets done without the union members, the mm-hmm. the union strong members, and that's you know who's listening to this program and who's participating in our actions, you know who's going to help uh, push the pro act over the line uh, with your family members in other states. And the HEROES Act and every other piece that we work on, it's the members, the Union Strong members. And we appreciate your support of the podcast and on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, When you participate with us and help spread the word, it does make a difference. And speaking of the podcast again for a moment, I know we're close to 60,000 downloads. And so it's so important if we can get more people listening, it, it really does help us get the word out. And I know one of the things you're focusing on right now with a digital campaign, even though we're all on board here in New York State, but it's still important to get the word out is getting that PRO Act passed. Absolutely. The the New York State, which uh, Senator Schumer and Senator Gillibrand are leading the charge. But if you have family members and you have friends in other states, we need them to take action. We need them to to pass the PRO Act. Uh, it's such an important piece of legislation that would help, uh, you know, new organizing and first contracts and really change the labor law um, to favor workers for the first time in, in a long time. Right. And eliminate some of those roadblocks to unionization. So and that's the other thing, too, even, you know, like Kevin mentioned, getting friends and, and um, relatives from other states to to help uh, push their senators in the right direction. It's also just educating people about it so that they understand what the PRO Act is. And I know, Kevin, you're often out there on social media explaining that and, and people can find out more on our website as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. 
We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.